Hi, welcome to the Gospel Fluency Podcast, helping you speak the truth of the gospel into every sphere of life. Well, welcome everyone to the Inner West Gospel Groups Podcast. Uh, so excited to be here in the Clock Tower Centre in Mooney Ponds. Very thankful to the Mooney Valley Council for uh, their free use of this um, studio space. That's just great. Uh, and we're really excited to, uh, me and John and Catherine, to come and speak to you about the gospel and how its beauty and truth uh, impacts every sphere of life. Uh, to kick us off, I've got a question for you guys. Uh, have you ever tried to learn a language? Sure have, Pete. <laughs> I've tried with very little success. So when my family moved to Melbourne when I was 10... My parents enrolled me in language school, in Vietnamese school on a Saturday morning. And so because I had zero Vietnamese under my belt, having grown up in Perth, they put me in the prep class with the five-year-olds. <laughs> Needless to say, um, my Vietnamese is still at the same level. Yeah, I've tried to learn language too. When we went overseas to China, um, I arrived and I basically couldn't say anything more than ni hao. Um, and it was brutal. I had to try and navigate a new city with a four-month-old baby and even just buying, you know, rice at the supermarket was almost an impossible feat. I didn't even have prep level language when we arrived. Um, but I reckon after being there for about two years, perseverance, practice, immersion, yeah, I reckon I became definitely nowhere near fluent but good enough at the language to be able to mm. communicate clearly with people. Mm. That's great. I think you're winning there, Catherine. Uh, I have attempted some Cantonese because it's my wife's family's language and I at least know enough to know when they're talking about me, uh, which is <laughs> just helpful at dinner parties. Uh, <laughs> why are we talking about language? Well, um, we really believe that uh, when it comes to the gospel, the idea of being gospel fluent is a really helpful way of understanding um, how the Bible wants us to live as Christians. Not just knowing the gospel, not just understanding its content, but being able to speak it, and more than that, to live it in a natural and uh, an understandable way. So this is what this podcast is about, actually helping us to become more gospel fluent in uh, every area of life. Uh, this podcast is part of Inner West Church's uh, initiative uh, this year to form gospel groups, groups of three or four people gathered around a particular sphere of life, whether it's workplace or parenting or marriage or something different, and seeking to learn together to apply the gospel, become fluent in that particular sphere of life over the course of a whole year. Um, we've got to acknowledge, though, that as Catherine already said, becoming fluent is really hard in the language and it also takes a lot of practice and a lot of time with the gospel. It's a lifelong pursuit. Um, we really hope that this podcast meets you where you're at, whether you are someone who has been a Christian for a long time and you've become quite practiced at this but you want to push yourself further, this is for you. If this is a brand new concept, this is also for you. For everyone, take it slow, don't get frustrated and work with others. This is why we form these groups, so you can help each other. Language is learned best in a group, in a context where people are speaking it to each other and practicing, and we want to do the same thing 
uh, with this. Uh, each episode, we will introduce uh, some content about the gospel, and as we uh, follow the shape of the biblical story, uh, and then we'll talk about the, an area of fluency, how to recognize and respond to uh, how this story unfolds around you, both in your own heart and in the, um, in the lives of the people that you meet. And then there'll be an opportunity to practice, and we'll uh, give some a few uh, guidelines and some few options for how you might go about practicing this. But actually, this will be the thing that you talk about most in your gospel groups and with the discussion guides uh, that you, we've um, provided to you. And every month as well, as we go through this year, we'll uh, be hopefully uploading some stories. We're going to be collecting stories from you as you try this out so that we can be all mutually encouraged by people growing in the gospel. So let's jump right in. And the first question we should ask, of course, is, at the very basic level, what is the gospel? It's good news, Pete. Good news. It's good news. It's good news about Jesus. And for me, it's uh, the good news that Christ came into the world to save sinners. Simple, but not simplistic. Something that, when applied to all of our lives, really changes everything. What do you think, Kat? Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely, that's the gospel. But how does it apply into our lives? I mean, it's, it's um, as you say, simple but not simplistic. The gospel is the turning point in the story, right? Like, explain that to us. So I've thought of it in terms of like a, um, a herald coming into a city and saying to the people of that town or that city or whatever, um, the battle has been won. And so that's something that's off in the distance that has happened that changes everything in terms of the way that we live and our future now. So it was a past event that's being proclaimed now that also has some sort of a future impact. Mm. Um, that's how I think of it anyway. Yeah, that's so helpful because what we know about the Bible is that it's not just a bunch of kind of propositional truths that you've got to learn and repeat, but it's a story. It's a story that we're invited into. It's a story that we find our place in. It's a story that starts with goodness, with God's creative work, and actually ends with goodness, with God, through Jesus, restoring and renewing all things. Those are the, the front and the back of it, and we find ourselves right in the middle. So are you saying that all of the Bible is the gospel, Pete? Uh, well, that's a good question, and uh, the answer is kind of not, actually. Um, uh, the gospel is the turning point of the story. It's the defining moment where everything changes. Not everything in the Bible is the gospel, but everything in the Bible either points forward to the gospel or is the gospel or refers back to the gospel. And in the context of a story, that's why the gospel is the, as John said, the, the herald in the, right in the middle uh, that, is, uh, that kind of changes the game for everyone. So since um, we're talking about a story, Pete, it probably makes some sense for us to start at the beginning, right? To start yeah. at creation. So why don't you tell us a bit more about the, the beginning point of this story at mm. creation? Yeah, great. Uh, well, as many will know, um, the Bible starts with creation. The book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, uh, is the story of how God began things. <laughs> how he called the world into existence and how he ordered the world 
and made the world to be the way it is. Uh, and the way I read Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter of the Bible, is that it's far less about exactly how the world came into being, the like actual uh, scientific, empirical uh, details of that, and far more about the who and the why of, of the creation story, the who and the why. Uh, the first of all, the, the biggest claim of Genesis 1 is also the most controversial, that God is creator, uh, that the world came into being not through random chance um, or out of kind of a swirl of chaotic forces, um, but God purposefully created a universe that is designed and ordered to be the way it is. So it says a lot about who God is. God is a God of order, and God is a designer, an architect, who makes things for a purpose. Um, but then as the story progresses, we see that God isn't just like uh, the classic illustration of a watchmaker who makes the watch and then winds it up and then kind of goes off to do something else. No, God is not just the one who starts things and begins things, but is also the one who sustains things. Uh, that God is not distant from his creation, but intimately involved in every natural process. In fact, I, I read uh, someone recently who said that if God was to withdraw from the world, then he would take with him everything that is good and beautiful about the world we live in. And this is, uh, I guess, to say something about what theologians call common grace, uh, that God gives the world as a gift for all to enjoy, regardless of whether they recognize and worship him as creator or not. Uh, that's grace, actually. It's, it's something undeserved, that God gives goodness in the world to every human being, um, even those who aren't actually very grateful for it or would even recognize that God is the creator. So God is creator, God is sustainer. Um, and following from that, um, we are God's image bearers. So in Genesis uh, 1 and 2, we learn that God creates human beings, male and female, equally in his image. Um, what does this mean? Well, it means that we reflect uh, who God is, some of his characteristics, uh, and it means that we are, um, sometimes we call sub-regents. We are people uh, um, designated by God to help him rule over creation, to nurture it and tend it. That means that the world isn't there just for us to exploit. Um, it is there for us to care for. And it means that everybody, every human being, has the capacity to do good because God has designed us, created us for good. We're designed to reflect his character. And so just as everything he makes is good, so everything we make and everything we do ought to be good as well. Now, a bit of a spoiler, obviously. Uh, we look around and things haven't really necessarily always worked out that way. Uh, something has gone wrong, and that's something that we will cover in next month's episode. So that's a bit of content about uh, the first chapter of the, of the biblical story, creation. Uh, let's talk about fluency. Let's talk about what this actually means for life. Um, John and Catherine, I'm keen to hear from you guys. Um, what are things you observe in the life around you uh, that makes you think of this creation story? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I reckon 
we recognise uh, the beauty of God's creation quite easily when we're out in nature. See a beautiful sunset, wonderful forest, uh, butterfly, uh, and we can see these moments of delight um, and the um, enjoyment that we get from those sorts of things. Uh, I think we also see it in the creation of other humans, both in the way that they create beautiful things like buildings or artwork or um, yeah, music, or the way that they cre- bring order to chaos. Um, I think being made in God's image, we, uh, we can recognise these things both in the creation that he has made and in the way that we bear his image and um, use those image-bearing skills to uh, love other people. Mm-hmm. I was texting um, some friends from church the other week who were on holidays in Tassie and they texted me some photos, you know, of their trip and what it looked like and places that they had gone, things they'd done, that sort of thing. And it was absolutely stunning, like just amazing. And I think there's something in the created world that reflects, you know, who God is in that way, that he makes beautiful things. Um, And, you know, as you said before, Catherine, like humans are capable of doing that too, you know, be it through art or music or or whatever. Um, I see see a lot of um, this created goodness in kids. You know, there's something (laughs) about... um, you know, my, my kids and their laughter and the sense of energy and joy that they bring that kind of points to points me into this, like, goodness that's there. Mm-hmm. That their presence can somehow just, just bring joy in, and lighten up a room, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think that's a real evidence, I suppose, of God's goodness there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think another thing that occurred to me was uh, that uh, everybody that I've ever met really wants their lives to have purpose. Um, yeah. That it's not enough just to go through life and, you know, tick the boxes, cross the T's, dot the I's, and be okay with that, actually. Mm. Like, um, there is a great desire in our society for our lives to mean something, to go somewhere, to end well, right? And that's actually a, a reflection of, um, of God's design as for us as image bearers, that he designs us for a purpose, that we're meant to fulfill a role um, and where our lives are meaningful because um, God's work in the world is meaningful, right? Uh, so when I go to work or when I parent my kid <laughs> or, or whatever I do, I can go, well, this is part of something bigger than myself. Right. This isn't just an activity I've got to do to survive. We're not just, you know, cave people, um, just trying to eke out a living. There's something more than that. There's something transcendent about that, which is uh, uh, something that when we feel like we have, when we have that purpose, it's really fulfilling um, and really wonderful. Yeah, and I think when we don't uh, have that purpose, we can also recognise the desire for it and the, the way that God has created the world good mm-hmm. and has created us good. Um, and, yeah, we can... In our conversations, we can see when things aren't the way we know they're meant to be. We do have that knowledge that things are meant to be better than they are, and that also can point us towards um, God's good creation um, and help us point others towards his good creation, I suppose, when we go, yeah, that is not the way it's meant to be, and that is really sad, and Mm. God doesn't want it to be that way either. Yeah, that's right. That's so good, guys. Um, so there's some 
things that we have uh, recognized, I guess, in our lives and in lives around us, um, what, how would we respond to those sorts of uh, observations and questions as they arise, both within our own hearts and also um, in the lives of the people around us? Um, how would we respond? How would be, we uh, be curious about that? How would we be engaged with that? And how might we be a little bit more bold than we used to be as well as Christians in how we um, respond to that as well? Oh, well, I mean, it's, it's basic conversational skills at one level. Uh, when somebody shares something with you um, about a beautiful experience they've had of being in nature, you can ask them just to simply tell you more about that. Um, and when they share with you an experience where they have felt hurt or let down, where they've experienced pain and it hasn't been as good as they wish it for, wished it to be, um, yeah, similarly, lean in, ask them more questions, um, be curious, uh, ask them why do you think the world is that way. Mm. So um, I was listening to this interview with Angela Duckworth um, talking about matching people's emotional levels so that you can better engage with their story. And so if someone's really happy, like you were saying, Catherine, about, you know, a holiday that they've been on and seeing this beautiful landscape or whatever, matching that and entering into that sense of happiness and enjoyment um, to be able to engage with them. So I think that's a really good way of us ac to actually enter in to the story is to match their emotional energy, um, mm. not disingenuously but genuinely you know wanting to share in that joy that they have there um and i think too again like I, I would press a little bit further even to what you said Catherine, around asking well where do you think that comes from mm. does that experience of you know that amazing restaurant that you went to does that point you to anything greater than just the mere satisfaction that that gave you within that two hour sitting at the restaurant or something like mm. that. Does it point to something bigger? Mm. And that's such a helpful thing, uh, both for um, our Christians in our lives as well as non-Christians, right? Because yeah. Christians yeah. fall into the, the trap of just seeing the material world as nothing more than the material world right. and with no greater purpose or thought. But the Bible always asks us to push through the thing that is good to the creator of the good thing. Right, mm. and to become people of gratitude, um, and people who love God more for what He has done, um, and to push back against this uh, tendency um, to cr make His good things into ultimate things, uh, to make His good things, as as uh, Paul says in Romans one, into idols, things that we worship, um, uh, things that we turn into our ultimate uh, provider of goodness and comfort and fulfillment um, instead of finding those things ultimately in the creator. And I reckon actually recently you've seen uh, a tendency for people to realise that, to realise that the their family or their money or whatever other good things are in their lives don't provide ultimate um, fulfilment. You, we've had this big push towards gratitude. Gratitude journals was a big thing a few years ago. Mm -hmm. People writing out the things they're thankful for, which is a great practice, but you kind of go, well, who are you thankful to? Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me introduce you to the person that you can be thankful to who has given you these good things. Um, yeah, because I think people are seeking that. They realise um, 
that somebody, something has given them these good things. Mm. And of course, gospel fluency isn't just about the people uh, that we come across, that we, we talk to and share life with. It's about us as well. It's about speaking the truths of the gospel into our own hearts and having that inner dialogue sometimes with, the, with your own inner self, that own inner voice, right? And so when it comes to creation, when we find ourselves like becoming too enamored with the thing instead of the creator of the thing, then this is a way that we can speak to ourselves and say, hang on, uh, this is, I can't find my fulfillment in this. this I have to uh, you see this great thing, this great part of creation as an opportunity to get to know our creator God better and to love him more. That's so good, guys. Um, so we've recognized, we've responded. Um, now this month we love everyone listening to be practicing this. Um, what are a couple of hints that we could offer um, as uh, our people go about in their spheres of life um, and look for the, um, the notes of creation? Mm-hmm. I think um, awareness is a really great place to start, right? So opening ourselves up to being aware of the created goodness that we see around us. So life is so, um, can be so busy and we can be so overloaded and obsessed with getting from one thing to the next that actually we miss the beauty that's in between. Um, and say, and so saying, you know, hey, I w- intentionally saying, I want to stop or slow down at least so I can see the goodness in this. Um, and this might be a little bit controversial, but if there is something enjoyable, lean into it. Enjoy it in its fullness. Um, I'm thinking, for example, you know, the cinnamon scroll that we ate just before this. <laughs> you know, lean into that, enjoy it, but then give thanks, as Catherine was saying, to the source of that goodness. Mm. Thank God for the baker. Thank God <laughs> for the ingredients and the wisdom that that person had to combine those things to make something delicious. Mm. You know, it's, I think that it starts with that awareness and then it can go on to being um, an expression of gratitude mm. to the source of that goodness. Mm. Yeah. yeah, what about you, Kat? Yeah, definitely. And don't think about the repercussions of eating multiple cinnamon scrolls. <laughs> um... <laughs> I think also uh, in our conversations with people, particularly I think when we're talking about our faith, we can get super awkward, right? It, it can just feel really awkward. Uh, and also we can feel the sense of, oh, goodness, I've got to say this right now in response to the person. Otherwise, I can never go back to that conversation. Uh, and I don't think that's true. I think um, not being afraid to revisit conversations uh, later on in your friendships is is worthwhile um, to remember. You can come back. If somebody shares something with you about um, the joy they saw in their child's delight in a butterfly and you don't take that opportunity to point them toward the creator, uh, that's okay. You can come back to that conversation at a later date. You can, you know, recognise that that is something they experience, something we all experience is that joy of creation and you can come back to that conversation Um the next time you catch up. Yeah, it's so good. Um, and just one final thought. I think it, it changes how we see people. Right? As we see the people around us, whether it's our best friend, a spouse, or the person at the checkout in line at the supermarket, um, it changes how we see them because the creation story tells us that these are images of God, fellow images uh, who are created uh, with this, with God's good purpose and God's good design, 
Uh, reminds me of the C.S. Lewis quote. It's a pretty famous one where he says, there are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. It is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. I think this means that it gives us a grounding for how we treat people, for why we want to treat them with honour and respect, why we want to love people uh, and not use them, actually, uh, for our own ends. Uh, because they are images of God brought into, into existence to glorify God and to reflect his glory. John and Catherine, thanks for joining me on uh, this first episode of our Gospel Groups podcast and look forward to seeing you next month. See you then. Thanks, Pete. Bye.